Welcome to Democracy in Action, a show from the League of Women Voters of Broward County, where we bring you the stories of everyday people who are making democracy work. This week on Democracy in Action, I speak with Carol Smith. She's a powerhouse in the League of Women Voters, where she's an OG member with over 50 years of membership. In this interview, we discuss what it was like growing up in a politically active family, why when she was working, she made the princely sum of $88 a week, and she explains to us what democracy in action means to her. Please welcome OG member Carol Smith. Our guest this evening is Carol Smith, who I'm very excited to interview. She is a powerhouse with the League of Women Voters of Broad County, and I'm so excited to welcome you here, Carol. Thank you very much, and I'm pleased and honored to be a part of your program. Great. So let's start with the first question. What was your first political action or memory of being political as an American? Well, the second part of that question is more fun to answer. Is when did I, for my first, Actually, it was my first time for voting. And at that time, you had to be 21. And I went to vote. You also had to prove that you could read English. Believe it or not, <laughs> this was a long time ago. So I went up. I never thought about having to do that. I, was, I had just graduated from high school. In fact, I'd graduated from college, practically. And there was no question that I could read English uh, because I graduated with honors from both high school and college. But the person, the poll worker said, no, we have to see proof. So I had to go home and get my diploma. They didn't want to give me a test. I had to go home and get my diploma so I could vote. Wow. Mm -hmm. So wow. I guess maybe that was also my first political memory, although my parents were very active politically. So, you know, I had grown up with that, but that was uh, my first actual doing something. So a quick question, how political were your parents? And as far as your parents, what was their influence on you? Their influence, of course, parties have changed a lot since mm -hmm. I first, and since they were active. They were both very active as being a city committeeman, getting people to register, getting people to vote. They worked very closely with their chosen political party. And in fact, my mother was the campaign chairman for one of our local congressmen, again, mm -hmm. a long time ago, because his wow. name wouldn't mean anything to anybody anymore. This was a small town in Western New York, Rochester. Okay, so this was Rochester, New York. Yeah, lived in Batavia, but okay. and I went to school in Rochester. So yes, very familiar with Western New York area. So okay. I, I just want to do a follow-up question. So Rochester, I know there's a University of Rochester there, and I just want to circle back to how an honor student from high school and college had to go home, get her diploma to prove that she could read. So I'm just wondering, what did you graduate in honors in? <laughs> well, high school, I was uh, second 
what do they call them, salutatorian college. And it was the University of Rochester. It's interesting that you mentioned that. I graduated in chemistry. And my whole family, you talk about an influence. My family has been someone involved with teaching for generations. And both of my parents were teachers. And I said to my dad, I really don't want to be a teacher. He said, that's okay. You get to choose whatever you want to do. And I really like science and I was good in chemistry and math. So that was my major. Wasn't that an unusual major for a woman? Probably at that point in time, yes. But we had a good group. In fact, the University of Rochester at that point in time, there were two campuses, a men's campus and a women's campus, direct sides of the city, opposite sides of the city. So to do chemistry, and there was a group of us, there were women in, involved in engineering and so forth. We had to take a taxi to the men's campus in order to go to our classes. So for the last two years, junior and senior year. So it was an interesting time, but I got a job and I worked at Eastman Kodak. If anybody has a Kodak camera, back then Kodak was a huge industry. So it's like film, right? When the dawn yes. of like film cameras yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So you worked with the kind of developing a film, like that technology, you mean? Yes, yes. Okay. The film, I worked on the film base, but actually Kodak was a chemical company as well. They had mm -hmm. a processing plant in Tennessee that they produced a lot of variety of chemicals for use in industry. So yeah, it was a job. A uh, full-time job. I will tell you, I got paid the amazing salary of $88 a week. What? Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm old. So <laughs> that was a good salary back then. Okay. Cool. All right. So for the next question, tell us about yourself. You kind of delved into where, where you grew up. You grew up in Western New York, the Rochester area. I moved a lot. My father, of course, both of them had gone to Syracuse University, but he was in ROTC. And mm. this is back in World War II. So as soon as the war started, he was called up. Mm -hmm. And so we moved. And I moved about every two years. My growing up was all over the country. I went to school in Virginia in two places. Went, mm -hmm. He was moved to Fort Bliss, which is outside of El Paso in Texas. So I spent six months there and then moved back to Western New York until he, he came home from the Philippines. So it was all over the place. And then high school was in Batavia. And because mm -hmm. of that, I really had to adapt quickly to mm -hmm. all the different schools. Nothing was permanent or long-term. You never knew when you were going to be moved. So it was an interesting life, but fun. We learned a lot, but I also learned a lot about just events, public or current events, because we kept touch with what was going on in the world mm -hmm. and how important politics is. We want to get into the political aspect of that. <laughs> sure. So I'll pick up back where you left off, right? So you're saying that you grew up all over the country, all over the world, it seems, because of your father's military career. And so what was that like, though? I know you said that you had to learn a lot, but did you find it challenging doing that? Or is it something that you just adapted 
to as a right, child. You just, did. You just yeah. did. I don't think I had a problem with <laughs> with challenging or with moving. I was an only child, so we just moved. And my friends were in school. And of course, once I got to high school, we settled down. So that was pretty permanent. It was just the elementary schools all the way up through the eighth grade. I think I said, I think I counted, I moved eight times in, in whatever it is, 10 years. Yeah, I'm an only child too. So I guess I would say I can relate because I didn't really move a lot as a child, but I, I know what it's like to be an only child. So are your parents like really protective of you or were they just like, no, be free, Carol? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were always being protected, but but no, they pretty much said you, you know, you go to school every day, you do your work, you keep up with your homework, but you're free to do things. And every place, pretty much where I lived, we had a small area. Batavia, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a very small town. Um, mm -hmm. It is a city, but I think 16,000 was about the population, and that's that's bigger than any place in Broward County, I think, now yeah. in any city. So we pretty much were free to, you know, walk the streets. There wasn't the kind of crime that we have to deal with today. Mm. So it was, and as I say, education was very important to my parents. So anything they could do to develop your interest in people and interest in the world and the things around you, they did. So what made you want to study chemistry? I know you, you said you worked at Eastman Kodak and you like, you know, that was your job, yeah. but like what gave you that interest? What do you think well, made high you? School. I had a very good mm -hmm. chemistry teacher in high school and I liked sciences. Uh, that mm -hmm. was something I was interested in. And why chemistry over geology or something, I don't know. It seemed like the chemistry was good. And they had a good chemistry department at the University of Rochester. So it fit. And I lived in a dorm up there. I did not commute or live at home or anything. So okay. I did. That I must did have been nice. Course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. So could you talk a little bit about your family and, and your, how do I put this? Just your life in general. Because I assume you were married. I'm just assuming, right? You were married and you had five children. I have so. married. I have. Yeah. I had, yeah. I basically married in Batavia, have three sons who okay. are well-grown and they are all in different occupations. Uh, okay. The pandemic uh, hit different ones. I have one son who's a teacher who went through the virtual teaching, uh, you know, but he had to frequently, two days a week, he had to go into the classroom to teach virtually with no mm -hmm. student there for whatever reason. But each of them have pursued their own careers. They always had their chance. And I have four growing grandchildren that are um, in their probably older than you, approaching mm -hmm. 30, and one that is 11. So cool. the youngest, which is great. And this is a second marriage. So I have a stepson who lives in San Diego too. So I have a whole fun group of people to follow. <laughs> nice, nice. So I know you were talking about educational. I know with the league, you've done a lot of education. So what was it that made you want to join or get involved with the League of Women Voters? 
of our county or is okay. this? Okay, well, this is simple to give you a, a little background. When I had my first child and we moved to a small town, we moved away from where I had grown up, I met some women who were members of the League of Women Voters there. And so I joined them. That was outside of Buffalo. And that was a group of younger women. Mostly, we were not working because frequently women did not do that then. Well, they had kids and they mm -hmm. always had babysitters. So we had, we took our kids. I took him with me to meetings and so forth. And the second one, when they came along, I all went to meetings. And then we moved back to Batavia and there was no league. So I helped start the league there and became very interested in the nonpartisan aspect of the league and the emphasis on voting and voter registration and so forth. And so really that was the push for getting me involved in the league. And I did candidate forums, well, we did, the league did candidate forums. We registered to vote, registered people, not quite as freely as we can now because you know, you think back, it was pretty well controlled by the parties at that point, but we did encourage people to vote. And we did candidate forums whenever there was an election. And then after many, many years, I moved to Broward County and the first thing I joined was the league. Uh -huh. So that was how, I, and voter service, anything to do with voting has always been my passion for doing whatever I can. And I that's what I did starting out here was voter registration, candidate forms, information for voters, that kind of thing. I remember the, the first time I saw you, I was at the Urban League for a candidate forum. I heard you speak and I was like, wow, <laughs> wow. I just sat there and was taking notes and learning and you had your whole presentation and you went through that. I was like, wow, there is so much to this. There's so much to learn. I think even, you know, I was listening to some of the politicians there. They sound like they were learning too. They didn't know stuff that you were talking about. So it is amazing to me with the wealth of knowledge that you have. So when you, you began in Octavia and then moved to Florida. So how long have you been in the league in, in total? You don't want to know. Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I, do. I counted up before we got on and it's been about 58 years. Lifetime is 50 oh. years. So I am a well, uh, yeah. I've been a, a lifetime member for a bit. And the candidate forms, actually the ones that I really did a lot of back at the beginning was ballot issue forms. And that might've been one of the ones I spoke at that you remember Nakia, but because every two years we have this raft of, of ballot issues that we have to try and figure out what in heaven's name a yes vote does. And that was always something that I thought was a good service that the league could do. So that is absolutely amazing. 58 years. I feel like I'd be thanking you for your service like I do with the military. So now are you considered like a league member emeritus? Because like <laughs> you know what they call me is a is a either a mentor, I'm trying to think what she's she has another term, and I'm really not sure. 
Yes, I go to the board meetings frequently, but not every time because I'm not a, an elected board member or an appointed board member. I've done that in there. I just have been around so long because I've been in Broward since 1989, which means I've been through several census and redistricting, which is mm -hmm. something we have always gotten involved in. I've been through charter review and constitutional review commissions, et cetera, which is a great thing for people to get involved in when that happens. And we're approaching that this year in, with the legislature. So yeah, there's a lot of things to learn and that's why I stay active. But I'm really the one when they don't remember what happened back then, they call me. Institutional knowledge, just awesome. Well, that's a nice way of putting it, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to want to download everything that you know <laughs> to our hard drives. It's like that show, there's a show on Netflix where it's like, it's a science fiction show where you can basically swap bodies, they can download their consciousness from one body <laughs> to the other, so people never die. That's right. So, so maybe we could do that with your mind if the technology gets there. So you kind of spoke about the, you had mentioned the thing with the Urban League. I know that Nakia, you said you heard her speak at the Urban League, but what are some other things you've done with the League of Women Voters, specifically Broward County, since you've been involved with the League for, you know, such a you know, vast period of time uh, that you found meaningful and that's memorable to you? Well, I have to go back over the, in the last 30 years, mm -hmm. obviously getting people to vote, getting people knowledgeable is important. Mm -hmm. The things that I've been involved in, as I say, are voter registration, candidate forms, ballot issue forms. I also work with Kids Voting, which is a different organization at the League, but we provide online mm -hmm. voting for the students in the, in the schools, so I work with that. But I know one of your thoughts, you were saying, what is perhaps why should people vote? And I'd like to stress at some point throughout this, that voting in local elections is probably more important than voting for president, even though voting for president is something everybody should do. A lot of people think they do that vote, that's they're done. Mm -hmm. And those people that have to decide where your, where your streets are going to go, whether that pothole gets fixed, what kind of trash pickup you're gonna have, those are the ones that make the, the decisions that benefit you daily. Mm -hmm. So that's, and those are, if you ever looked at those elections, that's the poorest turnout possible. And I just don't understand it. That's a myth I'd like to get rid of. Gotcha. So like throughout the years, I guess you've seen a lot. So I know that, just in general, I think in America, I think the voter turnout is pretty poor if you compare it to other kind of industrialized countries. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's like a civics education issue or just the culture of the country? What is your theory of why you think people are not as active as far as voting? You know, I wish I knew. I think part of it is civics education. I think we used to get a lot of history and civics in school and I think more than you get now. I think the major course on civics is in like seventh or eighth grade. 
and mm. really it should be brought back and reemphasized as a senior because when you're getting ready to vote, politics is so much more complicated. The world is so much more complicated. The issues that we have to deal with are so much more complicated with climate change, with environmental issues. We lived, I think, totally clueless about what needed to be done with the purity of water, something, you know, back in the 60s, in the 50s, in the 40s. People just didn't think about that. And they really need to be in. So that's why it's really important. Why don't people vote? Because they're busy. Look at all the voter suppression bills that have been introduced in this last session across the country. That's, that's really, that's criminal. It should be making it easier for people to vote. In Florida, the last election was very well run and we had as big a turnout as they've ever had. Mm -hmm. And immediately the legislature goes and tries to put in all kinds of restrictions for voting. So why people don't vote, they're just turned off. They see what goes on in the country and they're turned off. They don't have the knowledge, the background, the education to know it is vital that people learn the issues and cast their vote. Yeah, that's as far as the restrictions are concerned. Yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, obviously, I, I like I have my own theory of the case as to why, but I don't know. I don't know why people would want to make it harder. Life's complicated and, and people are, well, like now, so involved in getting food on the table and keeping mm -hmm. a roof over their head to think True. about voting. And, and if it's complicated in any way, we do not make it easy for people. Even before, we mm -hmm. didn't make it really easy because of the certain restrictions that you had to meet deadlines. You had to know what the deadlines are. Yeah, A lot of people, they don't think about voting until it gets to be election day. And True. then if they haven't done all the hoops, if they haven't registered, if they haven't gotten their absentee ballot, if they haven't um, checked out where they're going to go, they're up, you yeah. know, they just are up the creek. And, and we, as I say, we haven't made it as easy as we can. But you guys are doing something. This democracy in action is so important to get the young people involved and get your group out in force. Show us what's important in life. Sure. I think that's why this group is kind of important, because I think the reason that I I decided, you know, to join was, to me, it did seem not necessarily complicated, but I felt like I needed an ally to, to help me understand stuff, you know? It's almost mm -hmm. like, you guys know when all the deadlines are, I get all the emails, like, I don't have to keep thinking about it. You know, I feel like that's the kind of value that the league provides is that you're able to not necessarily outsource it to them, but they'll tell you when the deadlines are. They'll tell you, oh, you know, this is when stuff is and with all that kind of stuff. So I don't have to think about it as much and just like forget. So, yes. All you now, I'm just saying this when I say you, I don't mean you personally. But yeah. You have to pay it. You have to read the social media, you have to pay attention. If somebody else is going to give you the information, 
Yeah. You have to take it in and act on it. And that's the piece that I think your democracy in action is helping. Making sure say, okay, you don't have to know all the deadlines, but follow us and we'll give them to you. And we'll and then then make your choice. Definitely. So what are some of the challenges? Just like maybe there are lots of challenges, I think, but like maybe top three in the work that you do with the league as far as with voting and you know trying to get people to vote and all all the work that you do. I think one of the big challenges that we all face nowadays is the misinformation, bad information, wrong information that is floating around the internet. And even on certain television, certain radio stations. To try and cut through and find out exactly what the truth is, is really, really hard. And you have to figure out who you're going to believe. Mm. I hope you believe the league, <laughs> but sometimes, <laughs> I don't know, that is one thing that just seems so difficult. That's one thing that has changed so much over the years that I have been around this earth is the partisanship, the divisiveness, I guess I should say, that is going on now currently is just so anti anything that I believe in, anything that I think. The division in the country is so sad. So anything that we can do to cut through that and to make sure that we give good information, we encourage people to take a part in their government and take a part in, in their democracy will last us for forever. But if we don't, if we don't work together, you know, and that's what I think back on. There mm -hmm. used to be a really good, even though there were different opinions between mm -hmm. the Democrats and Republicans, they mm -hmm. worked together. And over the last few years, that hasn't happened. It's, it's that sad to me. Mm. Don't know if I answered your question. I think you did. Definitely. That's, that's a challenge, right? Trying to counter all of that's that. That's the biggest so. challenge. Yeah. Yep. So that's a tough, tough challenge. So Carol, I'm going to ask you a question, just switching off of that topic of challenges onto a different type of challenge. So Carol, what is the one myth about politics or public policy that you would want everyone to know? Well, I think the biggest myth is that ah, my vote doesn't count. Believe me, every vote counts. I have seen elections by one vote make a difference by five votes. And you're sitting at home and didn't vote. Give me a break. <laughs> okay. So that I think is the one myth that I think we have to challenge all the time, that my vote doesn't count, that I have something better to do on election day. Of course, we don't have election days anymore. We have election weeks. Yeah. You can go to vote many days. There are so many ways to vote, particularly in Florida. There's no excuse. So every vote counts. That's the myth I'd like to get rid of. <laughs> so to kind of play devil's advocate here. So, so why does it count? If you were to talk to someone 
and they're like, why should I vote? They don't think it matters. Like you said, it does. But how would you try to convince them? Other than telling them. <laughs> you wanna, you're asking me, how do you convince them? Well, if- you, I don't if, know how. That's, well, that's, you have your reasons why you think it matters, right? If you were talking to someone, like, how would you try to convince them? Like the reasons itself is what I'm asking. In other words, you want a, For you. You want a five, you want a 30 second elevator speech on why it matters to you. And it matters to you because your taxes, you are paying taxes to every level of government. And yeah. you desperately need to have your voice impacting those governments. Mm -hmm. For your schools, your money goes to the schools. Don't you want to be involved in your child's education? Don't you want to make sure that they're safe? And don't you want to make sure that they have a book to take home to read and study from? Mm -hmm. Your local government, don't you want to make sure that you have a, an official that is on your city commission that makes laws that benefit you for your state government? Don't you want to make sure that you have someone in place to make sure you have clean water and clean air mm -hmm. so that you have a place to go swimming and something that comes out of your faucet is not mud or arsenic or has too much lead in it, like they had problems in Detroit? Don't you think you should have that people would take an interest and vote? Because that's your control. That's the only control you've got. But you want to have your impact on whatever the issue is that means something to you. Vote. Yeah. Yeah, it's a question I've kind of contemplated a lot. It's important to get that. But as far as even influence on, you know, what politicians do or don't do, it seems like cutting a check is probably a more effective way than trying to get a million other people to vote, you know? Well, Does that make sense? Obviously, I don't have a million bucks to bribe an official. That's kind of what I'm talking about. But as yes, far as effectiveness, they will know. take your money. That's yes. for sure. But I will tell you the other important thing, and we talk about voting, there's another piece to being involved in your government. And that piece is letting your legislator know what you believe. So keep in touch with them, know the name of each of your legislators. And when a bill, like we just had session, how many mm -hmm. times did you send an email, a quick email to your legislator and say, vote yes on this, vote no mm -hmm. on this, and tell them why. You don't have to say a whole lot of words, just let them know. So mm -hmm. and on every level, Congress, president, governor, state legislator, all the way down to your city commissioner. Absolutely. That's the other piece of voting. Yeah, absolutely. That stuff is important because if they get a million people telling them not to do something, they'll figure out that, you know, their constituents want something. And if they do the opposite, they might not get to represent them the next time. So that's, that's kind of the thing. So, so which person would you say has had the most impact on your political views? You mentioned mm -hmm. your parents earlier that they were really heavily involved in, in politics. All the way through, I think my ancestors, if you will, because they've, they've all, as I say, back to my grandparents, I'm trying to think how far back, have been either teachers, 
and they have all been involved in government in one way or another, not as elected officials, but as helping set policy, helping working through their elected officials. So mm -hmm. my mother and father, for sure, were probably the, the even though I disagreed with them politically now, <laughs> than what they were, that's okay. They got me thinking and they got me realizing how important it is to be involved. Mm. Cool, cool question. So disagree in what way? Just to, I can remove this if you're not comfortable, but like, how did you disagree with your family? Well, did I ever disagree? Well, once I did, I disagreed with about a candidate that they wanted to vote for. Mm -hmm. But of course, I've been down here and they've been gone for 30 years. So I haven't argued with them now. <laughs> so, well, um, yeah. You know, so I can't say, I can't really answer your question too, oh. too, too well on that. I disagreed. Well, oh. I disagreed with, with their, no. But yeah, because what, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that was it like a political view, like they, they thought, you, you, you spoke about a candidate, but was the candidate had a certain political view that you disagreed with, that's why you were you know, you disagree well, yeah. with the candidate, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. That was it just one one candidate. Now I disagree with with their political party because so much has changed. The political okay. party that they believed in is no longer that political party. I'm reading between the lines a little, but I guess what I'm trying to um, says that as far as this, the disagreement is concerned, I'm not trying to like harp on this, Carol. I'm trying to, because obviously there is nonpartisan and then there is policy, right? So I'm trying to figure out, was it a certain policy that you disagreed with that the political candidate had? Does that okay, make sense? I don't think I disagreed with their policy. Mm. I probably still don't disagree with the original policy that that either they believed in I don't think we had any disagreements much on policy. It's that the policies have changed. Mm. Okay. Am I making sense? The political mm -hmm. party is no longer the political There's party that I believed in them originally. Gotcha. So the party has changed. It's not, it's not my beliefs or anything else. They're pretty much the same as um, they were. It's just... Right that that party no longer fits the bill. And that's true. I think people will, will do that. I think they have to go with the times. They have to realize the, the, the beliefs of the person they're voting for, not the political party. Maybe mm -hmm. I should have said that a little bit better. That way that it's the, the issues and the beliefs, not the party. Although with this particular point in time, the party is is being way too controlling, unfortunately. I'm like, I want to get in in this conversation, but we don't really have time because this is a deep conversation to have. Because I'm like, I need help. How do you talk to these people? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, it's neither here nor there. You know. Unfortunately, that's unfortunately we've gotten to that point. And yes, you can edit whatever you want out. That's unfortunate where you can't talk to people much about politics anymore, which is too bad. You can't it's talk hard. about this. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Yeah, I found that challenging. 
So I'm going to ask the last question. Let me ask you. We know that this podcast is called Democracy in Action. Carol, what does that phrase mean to you? Democracy in Action that your podcast is called pretty much sounds like the League in Action. (laughs) Because that's what the League is for, is democracy. We want people to be active and involved, informed. And that's what democracy in action means to me, that you encourage an informed participant. I mean, I'm going to spout the league mantra is (laughs) we want citizens who are active and involved in their government. They participate in voting and that they know the issues. So whatever you can do to provide information, to encourage people just cast that vote, just vote and find out what's important outside, what's important to you and vote for the person that models what your feelings are at the time. But democracy in action is, is the name of the game. Awesome. That's amazing. Thanks, Carol, for agreeing to be on the podcast and for talking to us. Thanks for listening to the Democracy in Action podcast. For more information about the League of Women Voters of Broward County, you can visit our website at lwbroward.org.